Here's my aim for tonight. And I am going to take a little different approach. I don't think I'm going to answer any of the questions. Not that I normally answer a lot of them anyway, right? But um, here's my aim. And so what I'm going to do is just point out some of the passages that support my aim. It just says I've spent time in the text. Here's something, that, you know, one of the many things that you could <laughs> you could observe from this chapter and you could focus on. So I'm going to give you mine. So here's the aim. To cause the audience to know that God is always in charge, even in the worst of circumstances. That God is always in charge, even in the worst, even of even of the worst of circumstances. He's in charge of the worst of circumstances. You remember that, I think last week we read Acts chapter 2, you know, Peter's sermon on Pentecost Day, where he just very explicitly says, when he's preaching to the Jewish crowd there, uh, this Jesus whom you crucified by the hand of... You know, he essentially laid the responsibility on them... And the Roman, the Gen, you know, but he says that happened by the pre preordained plan of God. I forget exactly the words, but he said that you know that was not an accident. It was not a surprise. It was not. It was God's plan. And so I want to. I see that in this text, and here's how I see it. Um, in chapter, but I just highlighted it when I printed out the chapter. So in. Um, in that first, well, really the second section, I didn't really say anything about uh, the, just the first few verses, although it's fascinating to think about verse 3, Satan entering into Judas. But then verses 7 through, um, through 23, the, you know, the description of this, the preparation and the, imp, and, the, and the observance of the Lord's Supper you know, Jesus gives them those instructions. And then verse 13, And they went and found it just as He told them. And they prepared the Passover. So He was in charge of just the, even the mechanics, if you will, the logistics of that meal. And then, in, uh, and I don't have fancy... Uh, I just said he's, He was in charge of the Passover meal. Um, my second division, he's, he's in charge of the betrayal. Which, he, which we saw in verse 21. He's still in that Passover setting, that Last Supper. But in verse 21, and this is after they, had, you know, after he'd made the statement about this, this cup is poured out for you. The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table, for the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, which is the fo- the thing I'm focusing on one of the many times that he indicates this is what's happening and, th- and what is about to happen is a fulfillment of God's plan. But, but and, and also just the point that, you know, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew who it was. He knew what was going to happen. And then the third division is the denial. And Peter's denial. So you drop down. This is going to be quick, by This may be the quickest lecture I've ever done. Um... <laughs> that that was uh, Lauren Friesen uh, clapping for the record. Um, <laughs> so when um, 
when in starting in verse 31, you know, um, you know, of course, Peter had said, you know, I, I'm not going to, uh, it won't be me. And you know, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. And we pointed out, by the way, that uh, that you is plural. Satan has demanded you. But then when Jesus prayed, to, he's talking to Peter, but I have prayed for you, it's singular. Which we, we just miss in the, it, it, we, that's in the Greek. So Satan wanted all of them, I guess. But Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when, by the way, this I'm just digressing a little bit. When you have turned, Jesus knows his prayer is going to be answered. Would go without saying, right? He knows that Peter is going to, he's going to deny him, but he's, he's not going to, because what does Peter, who, who is in charge of Peter's salvation? <laughs> Jesus is, just like he's in charge of our salvation. Ooh, and before I forget, we've got to see this cross-reference. When we studied 1 Peter years ago, a few years back, jump to 1 Peter chapter 1, I believe it's verse 5. I think... What Jesus, what's going on here with Jesus and Peter and how Jesus prayed for Peter, I think is, is an example, a real life example of what Paul, or what Peter wrote, and maybe Peter's thinking about this experience when he wrote, starting it up, uh, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, he, the sentence kind of starts in verse 3. You know, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You, and then verse 5, what about you? What is it about you? You who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. So, the faith that I have is God's means of protecting me. In other words, Peter connects protection, the power of God, and my faith. And I think, I think what we see in Luke and in the other Gospels as well, Jesus prayed for Peter. Jesus was the one, you know, Jesus was responsible for Peter's faith not failing. If it had been solely up to Peter... He might not have been the you know the, the the apostle that helped start that was the rock that Christ built his church on. Anyway, think about that. So, but then so when he says uh, in verse thirty four, Jesus said, "I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me." So again, Jesus is in charge. He knows what's about to happen. He understands. He knows what's going to happen because he's in control of what happens. And then we get that strange, you know, we were, the section about the, the money bags and the, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Look at verse 37, but again, the, the, the sovereignty of God, the control of God, that God is always in charge. For I tell you, Jesus said, that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he quotes from, was it Isaiah? And he was numbered with the transgressors. Referring to Jesus being crucified with criminals. He was treated as a criminal to be executed. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. So then, so that was uh, the, the, the denial. Then my fourth division, 
the arrest, Jesus in charge of the arrest, God in charge of the arrest, the circumstances here. Um, if When Jesus was praying, verse 42, you know, He prayed, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, but Yours be done. So what's the implication of that? That this, what, that Jesus' death was God's will, right? As Peter preached on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Um, I've always kind of, I don't know, I've just never really connected that prayer with the, with the, the reality that it's just another indication that God was in charge. Jesus knew it. Jesus was in, in his humanity wrestling with Man, if there's any other way, you know, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. That's an incredible prayer to come from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, it really shows his humanity. And then, the, um, of course, the crucifixion. And I highlighted verse 42. Ooh, wait a minute. I've got two verses in the arrest. I skipped one. Indicating God being in charge. They come, yeah, they come out, they're going to arrest Him. And Jesus says, uh, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on Me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. It, it, again, indicating this hour, this, this point in time, this is the appointed time for you to do what you're about to do. This is not an accident. This is not you being in charge. God's in charge of this whole thing. This is the designated hour. And the power of darkness. And so then, that was the, so two of those two references, verse 37 and verse 53, I saw God's sovereignty, God controlling the situation with regard to the arrest. And then finally, or two more, the, the crucifixion. And I highlighted verse 42. Did I go backwards? I did go backwards. Which was the prayer? Oh, that's it. That's why, yeah, I said I've already talked about it. It didn't come till verse to division 5, the crucifixion. That the crucifixion was God's will. Not my will, but your will. So then finally, my sixth... See, these are not really divisions. These are... I'm calling them divisions. They're not really. They're more indications of God's sovereign control, sovereign orchestration of the events in this chapter. So the last one, verse 69, so the last one is the, you know, Jesus is before the high priest, the Sanhedrin. And Jesus said as part of His answer, to the chief priest, and I guess that's uh, Caiaphas, we learned from the other Gospels. Uh, he said, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So again, Jesus uh, telling, just declaring that, you know, you think you're in charge, but but you're not. Uh, and and there, there's a connection in which and I don't understand. I didn't get it enough to really say it intelligently, but I'm gonna make a stab. 
you know, they ask, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? There, there's a reference to the Messiah. And in the, one of the other Gospels, I think there's, it's the, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? Apparently, from the Jewish perspective, they, 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 they related the, the Messiah to be God's Son. But when Jesus said, the Son of Man, He's taken it another level. And did y'all see the connection to Daniel? The son, and, and you've seen, you may have read this. I don't know if I've ever said it. Jesus is the only one, this titled Son of Man, that's the title that Jesus always used to refer to Himself. Every time one of the disciples or one of the other people referred to Him, they would refer, refer to Him as the Son of God. He self-labeled Himself as the Son of Man, taking it directly from Daniel chapter 7. One like the Son of Man ascended uh, to receive a, the kingdom from God. And they knew that. And so He's telling not only am I the Messiah, but I'm not the Messiah like you think. The, what you think is the understanding of the Messiah, this, this one that's going to come like David... It's more than that, guys. It's the Son of Man. It's the one in Daniel 7 who ascends to the, the throne, and that's what's about to happen. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot there, but I just see that again as Jesus indicating, you're not in charge, I'm in charge. So the aim, God is always in charge. Even in the worst of circumstances, so that's the application. I think we, this one of the, one of the many applications from this chapter is that even when when uh, the situation is dire and desperate, that does not mean somehow that God is not in charge. Uh, he is in charge, even the worst of circumstances. I'm going to pray it on that. Father, we are thankful for that. We bow before you tonight, Lord. Because we know it and we've seen it. And it's good to see it even in this particular chapter, the different ways which your providence, your sovereign control of even the details of the Lord's Supper preparation and all the way to the absolute, to the actual crucifixion of our Savior and everything in between, you were in charge to accomplish your purposes, to accomplish our redemption. So Lord, would you help us uh, in, in, in our the places where we live life today, to, to, to be reminded that in, in the difficulties that we find ourselves, our family members, and, and that you're still in charge. Help us to see that, to believe it, to be hopeful because of it. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.